Welcome to a history of Europe. Key battles. The Battle of Muret, the year 1213. In September 1213, in southwestern France, two Christian armies faced each other off. One was led by King Peter II of Aragon, who after his glorious victory against a Muslim army at the Battle of Las Navas de Tolosa the previous year, was not only one of the most respected monarchs of Christendom, but a favoured son of the Church. The other army was composed of crusaders, mainly from northern France, fighting on behalf of the Pope to root out heresy from the French region of Languedoc. Pope Innocent III had originally instigated the Albigensian Crusade to root out heresy from southern France. He was horrified on hearing the news that two Catholic armies were fighting against each other rather than working together against heretics or infidels. As with the Fourth Crusade, Innocent had lost control of events despite his best efforts. Simon de Montfort, the leader of the Albigensian Crusade, would have had no desire for a direct confrontation with King Peter. This hardly fitted with the image of a crusade against unbelievers, which Simon was eager to portray his campaign as. Yet the truth is that the campaign had become twisted from its original objectives into a cynical exercise in empire-building for Simon and his followers. And Simon's ambitions were now in conflict, not only with the local lords of southern France, but also with the interests of the Kingdom of Aragon. King Peter had previously showed considerable constraint when opportunities arose to get involved, but now, brimming with confidence after his recent successes, he decided it was now time to assert his authority across the Pyrenees and deal with this troublesome upstart knight. Earlier in 1213, Pope Innocent appears to have been persuaded to put a halt to the crusade. He was not only worried about the ulterior motives of Simon de Montfort, but angry that the Crusaders appeared to be deliberately taking advantage of King Peter of Aragon's diversions against the Muslims to encroach on Aragonese land. Such arguments were countered by papal legates, who accused both King Peter and Count Raymond of Toulouse of not doing enough to stamp out heresy in their French territories. Innocent reproached both Simon and Peter, but with little effect. Both men, interpreting what they wanted from the Pope's mixed messages, were not deviated from their confrontation. Up until now, Simon de Montfort and his crusader army had achieved great success in their conquest of southern towns and castles during the five years since the crusade had started. The general population of Languedoc were hostile to the northern invaders, but their leaders proved ineffective and unable to unite together enough to competently defend their lands. Simon became even less popular when he removed from power local southern lords and replaced them with northern knights, and then forbade local female nobles from marrying southern men. In December 1212, he went as far as declaring the abolition of local southern laws, which were based on traditional Roman law, and replacing them with customary laws, based more on a northern-style feudalism. Having conquered some of the lands belonging to Aragonese vassals, Simon had at first agreed to become King Peter's vassal. This soon proved an empty gesture, and done in the expectation that Peter would leave him alone. 
when it became clear that King Peter would not accept Simon's ambitions to do whatever he liked in France, Simon renounced his vassalage. Doing this in such a unilateral way went against the norms of feudalism and would have angered the Pope, but then Simon was used to pushing the boundaries, the accepted norms, to achieve his goals, and used to getting away with it. And so early that September, Simon de Montfort, in hearing of the news of the approaching Aragonese army, gathered together all the forces he could muster, leaving only the bare minimum of garrisons at other locations. He marched towards the small but strategically important town of Muret, a few kilometres southwest of Toulouse, on the west bank of the river Garonne. Several southern nobles, most notably Count Raymond VI of Toulouse and the Count of Foire, joined up with King Peter of Aragon after he arrived on the northern foothills of the Pyrenees. On their way, they encouraged the populations of northern occupied towns to rise in revolt against the Crusader garrisons. On hearing the news of the approach of King Peter, the population of Languedoc were given hope of finally being able to get rid of their northern oppressors, and many local men enthusiastically volunteered to join up to fight with the Aragonese. A group of local militia from Toulouse took it upon themselves to besiege the town of Muret, which was only lightly garrisoned by men loyal to Simon de Montfort. King Peter decided against supporting them, but instead set up camp a couple of kilometres northwest from the walls of Muret. Even when Simon's army arrived at the town, Peter did not take the opportunity to attack, but instead allowed the Crusaders to enter unmolested. He was confident that he still had the upper hand with a much larger army than Simon's. A group of bishops attempted to negotiate peace between the two sides until the end, but King Peter dismissed their demands out of hand. Simon was left with a decision to make, either to sit it out behind the town fortifications or to engage in battle. Both leaders were headstrong and impatient, and so a clash on the battlefield became inevitable. In the evening before the battle, Simon is said to have made his last will and testament, and to have spent time with his confessor. As he looked out through the castle windows, he would have seen a sea of gold, blue and red, the banners of the assembled nobles from Catalonia, the Basque Country, Gascony and Aragon, as well as Languedoc. But although his forces were substantially outnumbered by the enemy, those men he did command were experienced warriors, nearly 900 cavalry, including 270 knights, plus 1,200 infantry and archers. The Battle of Muret took place on the 12th of September, 1213. The Allied army began the day camped in a strong position, on the heights overlooking the town. Count Raymond suggested that they should sit tight and wait for the attack, then hit the enemy with crossbow fire. Then they should counterattack and blockade Simon inside the fortifications. It was potentially a good plan, but instead Raymond was mocked by the Aragonese nobles for cowardice. King Peter and his men were in the mood neither for a long drawn-out siege nor for waiting behind camp fortifications. They were hungry for a spectacular battlefield victory against the northern knights. Simon led his troops out of the town gates and headed north along the west bank of the River Garonne. They comprised three divisions, one led by William de Contra, a second by Bouchard de Marly, and the third by Simon de Montfort himself. 
In response, the vanguard of the southern allies spurred on their horses and headed east to confront the enemy head-on. They were led by the Count of Foire and included many soldiers from the Pyrenees region as well as Basques and Catalans. Behind them rode a smaller division comprised of Aragonese, led by King Peter. The king wore the plain armour of a common soldier instead of his royal armour so as not to be easily recognised and targeted by the enemy. Back at the camp stayed Count Raymond and his entourage as the reserve force. The archers, artillery and infantry were all held back, King Peter having decided not to make use of them. The Crusader army turned left towards the west and noisily charged towards the enemy, accelerating until they reached full gallop. As they approached each other, the two groups shouted their war cries and waved their banners, steeling themselves for the shock of impact. When the two sides clashed, the noise was so intense it was later described by the son of Count Raymond as like the felling of a whole forest by a single blow of an axe. Men and horses fell on the impact as battle cries rang out, then commenced a vicious fight for life and death. Everywhere swords rose and fell, skulls were cracked by maces, and horses were cut down and trampled their riders. The experienced knights at the front of the Crusader army quickly gained the initiative. Their advantage was reinforced by the second wave of Crusaders, who'd charged into the melee and pushed back and partly dispersed the disorganised ranks of the southerners. Simon's main aim was to bring down the king, and his men succeeded in forcing through a path through the carnage to their main target. It is said that a crusader knight managed to hack his way through to a knight who bore the royal arms and felled him with a single blow. This isn't a king, he shouted. The king is a better fighter. King Peter, seeing the instant, called out, Here is the king, and charged to his comrade's rescue. But this act of bravado turned out to be unwise. The crusaders, having identified the true king, surrounded him, precipitating a desperate struggle in which Peter and his closest retainers were slain. The news of the king's death spread panic through the rest of the army. The Catalan knights, outflanked by de Montfort's men, broke and fled, and the Count of Toulouse, seeing that the battle had been lost, decided to flee to save his life. Once the Crusader cavalry had routed the main army of the enemy, they turned to the town of Muret, which was being assaulted by a militia group from Toulouse. They charged down the militia, who without their army to protect them were easy prey, and desperately fled for their lives. The result was a massacre. The survivors attempted to board their barges on the river Garonne, but in the panic, the strong currents drowned the unfortunate militia in their hundreds. For the Aragonese, the battle was an unmitigated disaster. King Peter, confident from earlier successes, had made several blunders. He had failed to attack the Crusader army when they were vulnerable on entering the town of Muret. At the battle itself, by abandoning his camp, he lost any potential advantage from its fortifications. And he also failed to make any use of the infantry of which he enjoyed a huge numerical advantage over his enemy. The problem was that the Aragonese nobility arrogantly disregarded the infantry who they looked down on as of lower status. So instead of making pragmatic decisions using whatever means he had available, King Peter became drunk on the quest for another glorious victory with his fellow nobles. In the next century, such attitudes would bring similar disaster to the French, 
against the English in the Hundred Years' War. For the Aragonese, not only was any hope of regaining authority in Languedoc lost, but with their king dead, they faced a potential crisis of succession. Peter had one son, Jamie, but he was still only an infant, and what's more, he was being kept as a hostage by Simon de Montfort. In the short term, Aragon struggled, but were fortunate that the Muslims of Spain had been weakened after the Battle of Las Navas de Tolosa, so had a period of time in which to reorganise and recover. Indeed, later on, King Jamie would go on to be one of the most successful monarchs of the 13th century, would earn himself the nickname of the Conqueror. Throughout his long reign, Jamie was extremely cautious about taking any action against France after the dreadful experience of his father. As a result, it was the Muslims of Spain and then lands across the Mediterranean who became the main focus of his military efforts instead of France. For the men and women of Languedoc, who so deeply resented the invaders from the north, the Battle of Muret destroyed their hopes of salvation. For a moment when King Peter arrived with his massive army, it seemed like a great monarch had arrived to their rescue. But instead their potential saviour was lying dead on the battlefield, as were several thousand of the southern French soldiers. Count Raymond and his son survived, having not taken an active part in the battle, but were forced into exile in England, under the protection of his brother-in-law, King John. After such a complete victory, Simon de Montfort might reasonably have expected to be able to quite quickly finish off his war against the Cathars. If so, he greatly underestimated the resistance he would meet from the general population of Languedoc. He again besieged the city of Toulouse and demanded the city's surrender, but after lengthy discussions, no agreement could be made. It took the military assistance of the son of King Philip of France, Prince Louis, to finally take the proud city in the spring of 1215. Simon in the meantime invaded land to the east of the Rhone, where he systematically pursued the conquest and subjugation of the region, including territory belonging to the Kingdom of Aragon. Next week I will give a summary of the second half of the Albigensian Crusade from 1215 to 1229 as a kind of bonus episode. If you'd like to know the events in more detail than I have time for, about what happens to Simon de Montfort, the Counts of Toulouse and the Cathars, then I highly recommend the History of the Crusades podcast by Sharon Easter, who has recently told her own version of the Battle of Muret. As for a history of Europe, key battles, after the Albigensian Crusade, the next subject will be the history of early Russia and the Black Sea region. I am particularly excited about this series of episodes, which will culminate in the baptism of Vladimir, or Volodymyr the Great, in 988, after the siege of a city by the name of Kherson, or Khersonesis, on the southern shores of the Crimean Peninsula. The event still has resonance today, particularly considering the current situation in Crimea and eastern Ukraine. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider going to my blog, www.historyeurope.net, and pressing on the Donate button. Any contribution, great or small, is greatly appreciated. A way you can support the podcast for free is by giving it a review on iTunes or by giving it a like 
on the Facebook site, where you'll also find more information and maps about the battles I cover. Thank you for listening to A History of Europe, Key Battles. I hope you can join me again next week for more of the Albigensian Crusade. Until then, have a great week and goodbye.